God is going to see us through. And this message is very applicable to both the situation we're in and the Father's Day in general. Because dads are the protectors and providers of the home. And we live in an uncertain world. And so the message on Jesus being the overcomer, Jesus is like the ultimate big brother or the ultimate dad. And he overcame the world. And he's going to help us overcome the world as well as we put our faith and trust in him. So let's open in a word of prayer. And then we're going to turn to John 16. Some of the verses are down there below you. I have overcome the world, Jesus. But I'm going to actually start a few verses before in my PowerPoint. And I'll click on there so you can see it. Lord, I just pray that as we open up your word in John 16 today, that you would speak life to us, that we would see that we can take heart because you have indeed overcome the world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hmm. Interesting title for the beginning of a sermon. Weeping turned to joy. Yes, I'm a realist, and I know that this world is strange, and there's all kinds of troubles and tribulations, and Jesus knew this before. Look what he says to his disciples. Verse 20. Truly, and let's see, if I put my mouse there, you can see it a little bit. Not much, though. Okay, so I won't even worry about that, because I've highlighted everything that you need to see. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. <laughs> Hmm. Any mothers of small children, right? You know the kids will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Ooh, that's bad. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Weeping turned to joy. Now Jesus here, what's he doing? Remember the context no, we've been in John a long time, but remember the context of where we are. This is the last few days Jesus has with the disciples. And so he is specifically warning his disciples of the trials that are to come in the next few days. What trials? Well, his betrayal, his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, his burial. Basically, he's telling them, and you wouldn't like this if the news is telling you this. Defeat and sorrow are on the way. Yes, we're going to be defeated and we're going to be full of sorrow. That's what's coming around the corner. Hmm. Now, if you're old enough, if you're in my age group, you'll know that there's a famous saying that got turned into a song, right? Because Jesus is saying to them, you're going to have sorrow. There is going to be defeat. You're going to weep and lament, but I will see you again. What is he saying? Who was it that sang, I'm going to rise again? Jesus is saying, I'm going to rise again. I'm coming back. And it was one of my kids' favorite artists, Carmen, who sang the song, It May Seem Like Friday Night, boom, 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 but Sunday's all on the way. You know, it, that's so true in our life. A lot of times it does. And what is Friday night? Well, we call it Good Friday because it was good because our sins were taken from us, but it was bad at the time because the Messiah died. Think about it on Friday night. He was crucified and he died. So in your life, there's a lot of times where we don't always understand the path that God is going to take us to get to the promises of God. Ooh, write that down. We don't always understand the path that God is going to take us to get to the promises of God. His promises are true, but my idea, there's a way that seems right to a man, right? My ideas, my plans, God's promises are true. And the disciples were very confused. And he's warning them, you're going to be confused. You're, you're, you're all going to flee. And you're going to think, it, we, we lost. And Friday night's going to happen. And in your life, and right now, maybe you're saying, Pastor Steve, 
it feels like Friday night to me. It feels like good slash bad Friday. Or maybe we're in the middle of tomb Saturday where God is silent and his son has been crucified and we don't know what's going to happen. That's really what it feels like. But Sunday's on the way. Listen, my friends, the world has been rotating and revolving for a long time and Sunday is always on the way. Friday and Saturday are always followed by Sunday. What is the statement? I know it, maybe it's a platitude, but I'll speak this platitude with gratitude. It's always darkest before the dawn. And I think that's true. I mean, I'm not a weatherman or whatever you would call that, a geologist. No, he studies rocks. I'm, I don't, I'm not a weatherman. That's all I can really say. But it seems like it gets the darkest right before the sun is going to rise. At least I know, because I track weather, that it's the coldest right before the sun rises. So the night has been there the longest. All hope is lost. It's going to be cold and dark in winter forever. And then boom, the sun rises and the warmth begins to shine. So just remember that in your life. Something to encourage you today. Jesus is saying, you will have weeping. <laughs> you will have sorrow. You do have that in your life. If you if you have a spouse and children and grandchildren and friends and neighbors and pets, <laughs> you'll have sorrow. But the sorrow will be turned to joy. It may seem like Friday night, but Sunday's on the way. It may seem like the depth of the darkness of night, but the dawn is coming. Yes, this is from Mindy. Here you go. Here's one of my witty jokes. As I, lay, as I lie sleeping one night, I pondered, where does the sun go at night? And then it dawned on me. <laughs> I always get in trouble for laughing at my own jokes, but when you're doing virtual church, there's no crowd here. I actually watched uh, uh, something, uh, uh, it was a sports event, and they were uh, racing. But because of the current restrictions, there was only one racer allowed on the track at a time and just a few cameramen and nobody in the stands, but they had all these virtual cardboard cutouts in the stands that were yelling and cheering and spilling their popcorn and the guy ran to that. I think he set a world record even with that. So in this virtual world, I'm required to laugh at my own jokes for you because I know you're really laughing at home. All right. So in the context of Jesus being the overcomer, he's warning his disciples here that there's going to be hard times, and you, you should know that by now. 2020 has taken everybody's surprise, but our weeping will be turned to joy, and it says no one will take that joy from you. Now let's jump down to verse 28 and 29. Here we are. Straight talk. On Jesus who said, I have overcome the world. He says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Because when he was speaking, he gave figures of speech, right? If you go, if you look below, can I show you where it is down there? Then in the verses, he spoken figures of speech. Well, now he's speaking very plainly to him. He's giving him straight talk. He's saying, okay, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm leaving the world. And they say in verse 29, wow, now you are speaking plainly. Now we see you've given us plain speech and we totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, 
It's happened to me too. God has spoken and I totally understood what he's saying. I knew exactly what was going to happen to my life. I knew everything that was going to go on in the near future. God had a master plan and I totally understood it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But that I still misunderstood, right? And that's the disciples here. God speaks. He's very clear. He's not giving figures of speech. He's speaking very plainly. And his disciples are like, oh, now we understand. But guess what? They still didn't. Why? Well, it's because of what I said earlier. God's promises are true, but the path can often be misunderstood. When Jesus finally just laid it out to them and said, yeah, I'm dying, they didn't understand. They didn't make, they didn't make sense of it. And they said, oh, yeah, now we understand. You're speaking plainly. But they didn't. They went to the garden, and Peter tried to fight the guys that were coming to get Jesus, and the other disciples fled, and they all got depressed and said, he's dead, nothing's going to happen. And then when they said he's resurrected, nobody really believed it. A bunch of crazy women making up stories. <laughs> so what do you do? What is the way to understand God and get through the path that gets us to the promises? The path that gets us to the promises. We've heard the promises of God. We're standing on the promises. We believe them. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to get along with my singing, <laughs> but to trust and plug your ears, right? You have to trust and obey. That's, that, I mean, that's a good hymn for a reason. Jesus asks his disciples later, do you believe? And that's what happens here. You have to trust and obey. Yes, God speaks and God clarifies. And we've talked about this before, that the Holy Spirit is the interpreter of what God is saying and he reveals what God is saying to us. But we are human and we often misunderstand. It says, for now, we look through a glass, dark and dimly, like looking through stained glass. It might be beautiful, but you can't see the detail. So God gives us the promises. We follow to the best of our ability. But in the end, we just got to trust and obey. You're either going to put your... You're going to bet it all on Jesus or you're not. You're going to put it all on him. You're going to trust and obey. Though none go with me, still I will follow. you got to put that rock, that line in the sand, that Ebenezer stone, or that line in the sand and say, this is it. That's, you know, that's, we are a Baptist church. Did you know that? That's why we're big on baptism, right? Number one, it's commanded. But number two, because it's that, it's that line in the sand. It's that Ebenezer stone. It's that saying, I'm all in. <laughs> like you're all in the water. I'm all in. The old me's gone. The new me is in. I'm giving myself up to the Lordship of Christ. I'm following him. It's a time to celebrate. That's what we love doing baptisms. All right. Let's move on to verse, what do we got next? 31 and 32. Tested by trials. Here is your life. Jesus answered them. Do you now believe? Oh, here we go. I just said he was going to say, do you believe, right? So when he tells them and they say, now we understand, now he says, do you now believe? Now you finally understand and believe that I'm going to die? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered. Oh, we fully understand. Now we believe. Well, do you really believe? Do you really, really believe? Hmm. I think you're going to be scattered. Each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. Okay, so, you know, right? Jesus is sovereign. He knows what's going on. But he's telling them, look what's going to happen. I'm going to take a rabbit trail. Is that all right with you? Okay, let's talk about Pilgrim's Progress. 
One of the most widely read books in the history of the world, second to the Bible. But if you remember in Pilgrim's Progress, he believed and he was on his way to the celestial city. But all along the way, there was these trials. He was, he had seen the Lord and he knew he needed his sin removed and he was trying to go, but he was always encountering people that were leading him astray or, or going into towns where he would get trapped or falling asleep under a spell. Yet God was always there with him. He was always bringing evangelist and helper and other people to put him back on the path. And that's why it was a great book and they made two or three different movies out of it. Even one where some famous actors were in it before they were famous. But the concept of us trying to walk the path and knowing the promise of God's celestial kingdom, heaven, but not quite knowing how to get there, we can hmm, empathize with Pilgrim in Pilgrim's progress. And we can learn a lesson about the characters that affected him, those people that turned him the wrong way. In the end, it's not easy, but it's certainly worth it. Was it easy for the disciples here as they watched their Savior crucified, as they were scattered and left him in fear? No, but it's worth it because they were the disciples of Christ. So I ask you, when you talk about this, the trials that are coming, uh, as I was reading Pilgrim's Progress, it made me think of this. Maybe this is the end of the world. Maybe, you know, he was leaving the city because it was going to be destroyed. Maybe that's it. Maybe what we're going through now is part of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? In Revelation, it talks about the white horse that conquers the world. The red horse where war breaks out everywhere. The black horse where there's famine and a piece of bread is the price of a bag of gold. And then the pale horse, the horse of death, where like a quarter of the earth dies. That's a lot. So are the four horsemen of the apocalypse here? Scary in scripture. And maybe it's all allegorical about kings and kingdoms and things that happened in the past. Or maybe it's prophetic in the future. Or maybe we completely don't understand it. But certainly what's going on in the world today makes you wonder if we are in times of transition. The world is shaking. The foundations of the world are rocking been a test. It's tested our faith. So I ask you again the same question that Jesus is asking his disciples. Do you believe? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Are you standing on the rock of Jesus Christ? Are you trusting and trying to obey the words of the Savior despite what goes on around you? Are you like pilgrim who have set your eyes on the kingdom that God has promised you and you're not distracted to the left or to the right and you continue, though none go with me, still I will follow all the way. Even if we're living in the midst of the greatest trials that are ever on the earth, will we be faithful? Do we trust and will we obey? Hmm. In verse 33, Jesus gives us some good news here. After all this Sad news. He says, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Verse 33. I have overcome. Uh, let's see if I can bring it up in my passage here as well, just so we're in the same place. Because it's the last verse in the chapter. There we go. There it is right there. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. 
<clears throat> Look at that. That's why I put it in red because it's kind of negative there. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is this is the message today. This is the heart of the message. This is the Father's Day message. This is the reminder that we are connected with Jesus, the overcomer. We can have peace amidst tribulation. Yes, you're going to have trials. Yes, you're going to have tribulation. He says that. I've told you you're going to have tribulation, right? I mean, there it is in that passage. You're each going to be scattered. You're going to have tribulation. But wait a minute. In the world, you will have tribulation. But wait a minute. Take heart. I have overcome the world. So how do we have this that in me you may have peace? I don't really know which way to point that way, I think. In me you will have peace. How do we have this peace? Well, Philippians 4, 7 talks about peace that passes understanding, but we'll get there on the next slide. I'll say this. How is it that we can have peace knowing that Jesus overcome? Well, it's back to the question he asked his disciples. Do you believe? Are we going to believe that the words of Jesus are true? Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. So eventually this world is going to pass away from something. Heaven and earth will pass away. But, that's a big but of the Bible, by the way, the word of the Lord endures forever. So we have to trust the words of Christ. They're more solid than heaven and earth. Which is why in this church, we're a biblicist church, we're Christocentric, we tell you to read, meditate, memorize, and trust the word of God. Yes, read, meditate, memorize, and trust the word of God. Read it. Be reading it on a daily basis, out loud, with your family. Be praying together out loud as a family. But also meditate on the Word of God. Psalms talks about that along with others. To meditate on God's Word day and night, which makes you a tree that's planted by streams of water and yields its fruit in every season. We meditate. And even to memorize, your word have I hidden my heart that might not sin against you. So as you read, meditate, memorize His Word, then you begin to lean on His Word. You begin to trust His Word. And there you're walking by faith and not by sight. And you will not be shaken. Twice says we walk by faith and not by sight because no matter, that's how we can have peace that passes understanding because no matter how it looks, we have faith, not in ourselves, not in humanity, not in fate. We have faith that Jesus is the true overcomer, right? Philippians 2, 10 and 11. Let's see if I can find it for you. I have to pull it up. I know this takes a second, but let's just go there. Philippians 2, 10 and 11. Starting at verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Talking about Jesus. So that at the name of Jesus, look at verse 10, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 10 tells you that Jesus is the ultimate overcomer. That eventually every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Friend, we talked about this on the daily devotion that we do. The time to confess Jesus Christ as Lord is now when you do it by your own free will. Jesus is the overcomer. He is Lord of all. And one day all creation will bow to his lordship. But to be adopted into his family as his friends, as his children, you must do that now by your own free will. You must hear the message and believe and obey. So let's get back to the question about how to have peace that passes understanding. Let's clarify that with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Here it is. about the peace of God. 
Do not be anxious. Mm. I think that's just a suggestion. There's no way it could be a command because then I would be sinning when I'm anxious, when I'm stressed. Hmm. So let's rephrase this. Try not to be anxious. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything. Ooh, I'm anxious about a lot of things. So am I disobeying the commands of God? And now I'm anxious about being anxious. I'm anxious that I'm sinning when I'm being anxious. <laughs> Do not be stressed or anxious about anything, but, it's another big but of the Bible, but in everything, meaning everything you do, to bathe your day in prayer. Right? That's what it says. That's why we talk about reading God's word out loud so you learn to trust and obey and talking to God in prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We're bathing everything in prayer. How? How do you not be anxious about things? Big but of the Bible. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Prayer and it could also say petition. Right? The 12-step prayer, one of those is petition or supplication. You come to God with your needs. You say, give me this day my daily bread. These are the things I need. So you avoid anxiety. You go to the owner of the universe, the creator God, the sovereign one. You realize Jesus Christ is Lord of all, Philippians 2. So you come to him. And not demanding, not the American self-centered, God's there to bless me, genie, it's all about me and my good life. Ooh. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You don't want God opposing you. God doesn't answer prayers like that. He rebukes those kind of prayers. That's why it says prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We always do it with an attitude of gratitude, realizing that God is good and all good things come from God. So as we cry out to God, we do it with thanksgiving. We're, and where does the thanksgiving come from? <laughs> it comes from remembering how God has treated you in the past, all the answers to prayer from before. That's why you keep a journal of what God has done. And if you don't think God's done anything great in your life, then you go back to the scriptural record and see what God has done for his people throughout history. So rather than be stressed or anxious in everything, bathed in prayer with an attitude of gratitude, let your request be made known to God. Be honest with God. Let him know what you need. Verse 7. And the peace of God. Oh, that's good. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm going to camp out here for a little bit. Number one, it's not just world peace or peace, brother, the peace of humanity. This is the true peace of God that only God can give as you take on the mind of Christ, as your mind is transformed, and you lay down your burdens and pick up his burden, which is easy, and his yoke, which is light, the peace of God. This is the how to have peace rather than anxiety. You come to God and you ask for help with a heart full of faith and gratitude. You pray. Yes, you pray. Give us this day our daily bread because God knows and supplies your need. And you remain grateful and thankful. And it's interesting, the yellow there, which surpasses all understanding. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. This proves that we can have peace amidst the storms. Peace amidst the trials and tribulations of life. Because it says that peace that passes all understanding. Meaning that if the counselor were to look at your life with complete understanding, they wouldn't have peace. It would be understandable for you to be anxious, to be stressed, to be panicked, to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off. But you don't. Because you trust and obey. Because you have faith in the Lordship of Christ, that you know Jesus is the overcomer. Then you have peace that passes understanding so that we can stand like Israel did 
before an ocean, before the Red Sea, with the armies of Pharaoh behind him rushing down. We could be at peace. There's no way out. But it may seem like Friday night, but Sunday's on the way. It may seem the darkest part of night, but dawn is breaking. It will dawn on you <laughs> in time where the sun, S-O-N, went when you thought he disappeared. Because the footsteps in the sand says he, he carried you during that time. And I also want to point out that it says this, it will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Hmm. That's important. The peace of God will not only guard your hearts, but it guards your mind. And maybe the mind is the way to your heart, or is it the heart the way to the mind? Either way, it talks about the peace that passes understanding can guard both our hearts and our minds. I think there's another verse here. After 7 comes verse 8. And it starts out with the word, finally. And we're going to talk about directing your heart. And notice, finally, that's me, like saying, in conclusion, because this is your last slide. So hopefully you've stayed with me this long, because we've jumped from John to Philippians, and we're concluding how we have peace that passes understanding that Jesus said he would give us peace because he's overcome the world. Finally, okay, this go back, 6 and 7, don't be anxious. Pray with thanksgiving. Make your needs known to God. And the peace of God will pass your understanding, and it will guard your hearts and minds. Well, how? Here we go. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Look at all these words. They're so good. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Hmm. Peace is the condition of the heart directed by the mind via your thoughts. I'll say that again, Pastor Steve. Peace is a condition of the heart directed by the mind via your thoughts. Or the simple version, your response is your responsibility. You have to take responsibility for the things you're dwelling on, my friend. Be a man or woman of peace. Think about the things of God. Don't get so caught up in the news, real news, fake news, exaggerated news, good news, bad news, politics, lack of politics, government, lack of government, anarchy, divisions, wars, rumors of wars. I'm not saying Christians are supposed to walk around with their head in the sand, but maybe their head in the clouds. In other words, our feet are on earth. We're living here. We're the ambassadors of Christ. We are living here. And I don't want to let Satan ruin my backyard, so I care about the society I live in. But our heads are in the clouds. We're above it. We see God highly exalted. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're able to trust and obey. He's speaking to us via his spirit, illuminating the word of God to us. Our minds are set on Christ and the things of. Set your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things. The things of above, not the things below. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, your response is your responsibility. So you're responsible to guard your heart by directing your mind on what to think about. Are you thinking about? Are you dwelling on? Are you camping out in things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence, and praiseworthy? If not, change today. Repent and say, it's time for me to change. I'm in a, I'm in a rut. I'm in a bad rut thinking negative thoughts 
I'm actually allowing anxiety to control me. And it says, do not be anxious. And so finally, as I come to God, and I make my request known with an attitude of gratitude, and I remember that Jesus is the overcomer, Lord of all, then I am spirit-led, self-controlled, and direct my mind to meditate and think on things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. And that's how my heart and mind is guarded as I direct my heart by my mind onto the Word of God, the character of God, and the promises of God, which are always true. Be a man or woman of peace. Believe God and His Word. Father, today, I thank you that we can be here virtually and still receive the impact of the rhema, the spoken Word of God, that you take what's written and you illuminate it by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray you would have spoken to each of us individually. and We would be reminded today on this Father's Day that you are our great Heavenly Father. And we can be at peace that passes understanding, though we don't understand how to fix the world. I don't even want to try to fix the world. But you've got the whole world in your hands. You're our Heavenly Father and you've overcome it all. So we bow our knee and we confess with our tongue of our own free will. Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen.